what what is what is what what is there to do on a on a Sunday in, at Long Beach State? Like, are you are you on campus right now? Are you living like in dorms or what? Yeah. What's, what's, the, what's the living situation look like? Yeah, I'm in the dorms with my um, teammate Stephen, okay. um, and uh, the last we got, we we were supposed to stay. The tournament obviously was supposed to go until Saturday. That's right. Yeah, and and then. Um, on Thursday, they weren't like they just didn't know what the weather was going to be like. And I mean, they even considered starting it on Wednesday the okay. practice um, because the weather was good. And so then they decided like Thursday, we're just going to play as much as we can until dark. So we got in like 26 holes or 28 holes. Yeah. And then they were like, same thing on Friday, just play as many as you can. And we finished the tournament. And so I was like, I was hoping we were just going to stay the rest <laughs> yeah. of the just stay in Hawaii on Saturday. Yeah, our coach is like, <laughs> no, we're, we're doing our red eye at 11. And I was like, gosh, wow, this sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah. But so we got back at like 7 a.m. yesterday. Okay. Uh, and so pretty much just slept and did nothing yesterday. And then today has been like the same, just like in bed. But I'll pro- probably go to the course a little bit in the afternoon and okay. yeah okay at least at least it's not like you had to take a red eye back to like indiana or, or something like right. that you know which is which is my home state. i live in north carolina but i always talk about me leaving indiana because it's probably still snowing there at least you're going back to california as opposed to going somewhere where it's where it's not warm uh mm-hmm. so that so you said you're probably gonna go practice today what what um what what yeah what, what is what is your even your like your practice schedule like is it is it a lot of team stuff is it kind of on your own um it's obviously a combination of both, yeah. but you know, like if we have practice, you know, like on a weekday, we'll have generally around like um, it'll be in the afternoons just because we have school in the mornings. But um, if we have a practice like on a Friday or Saturday at like 8 a.m., because we don't have classes on Fridays, then I'll try and get there like at least an hour or two before. Okay. And and like some extra practice and then obviously practicing um just any other time that i have open i'm trying to be at the course sure yeah so, um yeah that's pretty cool do, do you know who vince staples is yes i've heard of that name <laughs> does he ever show up to practice he's, he's so so he's like a fa- if, if i don't listen to a lot of his music but i know he's a famous rapper that's from long beach so I, I, I since i've never come into many people like connected with the long beach area i just wonder like is he on is he ever on campus mm, mm, i don't think so N- not that you're aware of at least no. okay be, be on the lookout for him if you ask your teammates and ask everybody around the area if, if, to, to point out vince staples if he happens to be in the area Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon and welcome to the finals of the 2022 NCAA Golf Championship. Make it memorable, gentlemen. What's up and welcome to this week's edition of the Golf Stat Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus L., and I am lucky enough to be joined by Currently, as we're recording this, the number 11 player in our golf stat player ranking, but probably going to move up by the time, hopefully, that you're listening to this uh, this episode, Ian Gilligan from uh, Long Beach State. Ian, what's up, man? Yeah, not much. Um, just been relaxing after the tournament in Hawaii, but I'm excited to be on the podcast. That's awesome. That's awesome. Again, appreciate you coming on. Let's let's hop right into right into the Hawaii event. So John Burns hosted by Hawaii. Hilo, if I'm not mistaken. Um Man, again, I I always try to start this kind of just as a college golf fan. You know, obviously this is my job, but there's a whole lot of leaderboard watching and refreshing and and, and honestly rooting for guys. And it's been fun to watch what you've been doing this season. Um, it was it was quite the flurry of birdies at John Burns. So so first off, we, we got to talk about the 61. What uh, what got into you on that first round as far as making birdies, just, you know, shooting the 61? What goes into a round like that for you? Yeah, I mean, I knew I was playing well. And obviously I've been playing well. And I think right. mainly like, it's just like the good play, like as it's definitely surprised me. Like I knew, I knew I'd play well, but I didn't know I'd play this good, you know, this okay. year. Um, just be, but I, you know, I've worked really hard for it. So, um, but yeah, to answer like the question, I mean, like in the practice round, I could tell I was playing 
good. And I was like, yeah, I'm definitely going to be in contention this week, but I didn't 61 was coming. Um, <laughs> and in our qualifier, I, sh- I shot a personal best 63 at um, this one course that we played. And so that was pretty cool. And so, I mean, I started the round off and I bogeyed my first hole because I hit in the left rough and we were playing lift clean in place because the okay. course was really wet. And so I couldn't like move, uh, pick up the ball and clean it. So I had mud on the ball and just hit it like way left, make bogey. And I was like, okay, that's not a great start. And then kind of slowly, I just like, I think I had five birdies on the back nine, which is generally the tougher side. Like there's just a lot of tough holes. 14 15 18 17 um so i kind of knew that was like a really good score and then the front nine you've got like a ton of scoring opportunities so i think i was like four under and then i bogeyed one so i was like okay three under and i only have like eight holes seven holes left and and then i had two eagles and like four birdies in that really short span yeah and um i was yeah i went from like 300 to 800 really quick and then i was like holy cow <laughs> and i still had um a par 5 to play and i birdied that and then i ended up going birdie birdie to finish which was pretty cool um to shoot a 61 and it was like kind of like happened so fast and then you know obviously we had to keep playing so i was like okay i got to just like refocus now and try and put together a good score yeah so 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 you you mentioned if I'm if I'm not if I'm hearing you correctly, sixty three was a personal best in qualifying. So then, did you basically yeah. top that by shooting sixty one course record and personal record? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so then, kind of again, you said kind of you know the, the shortened, I guess shortened version of John Burns because they tried to get in as much golf as they could at a time with pending weather conditions. You had to go right back at it. I think shot seventy one with a pretty solid finish um, in round two. And then round three, again, kind of a birdie barrage again, you know, and, and it was probably three or four guys in contention down the stretch. Um, as you're in the moment there, you know, you've put yourself in position in many of these tournaments that you've played, you know, both fall and spring so far. W- what's that experience been like for you, knowing that you are in contention in these tournaments? You know, you're battling players like Sam Bennett, who, you know, again, get a lot of the publicity and so on and so forth is are those moments you kind of relish and embrace um is it becoming normal for you at this point what 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 are those moments like for you for you now um yeah i think um i think they're it's definitely good like learning experiences obviously i think but i think like i'm i was i was definitely i wanted to win that tournament i think after i was shooting 11 under i was like i wanted to just win the tournament by like you know 10 i just want try and steamroll but obviously like everyone says it's always really hard to back up a low one with another one which obviously makes sense um and um and so yeah in the you know like in the moment i'm i just try and stay as focused as i can on this the next shot and just not try and focus but i like to look at the leaderboard and know where i'm at in the moment um so i'm like you know i'll check the leaderboard like once every three holes or something um just to see like what i need to do or like what i'm at um but i try and not let that affect like what i'm gonna do decision making wise on the course um as much as i can so but yeah i feel like i'm pretty comfortable or and you know excited to you know get more opportunities in the spring to win that's awesome. That's all. Yeah, you you've put yourself in, in in many of those uh positions again in both fall and now spring as well. It was interesting, kind of as I was going back through your your tournament results as well. Like, you've been in a bunch of birdie fests. You know, I think basically when we're talking, because you won the Watney in a playoff. Um, I think it was McKenzie you then won. Um, and then you get your first two this spring were Thunderbird and John Burns. All of those winning scores, at least whether you won it or not, were north of 16 under par, right? Mm-hmm. For three rounds. Like, is, is it, do you feel like that suits your game as far as like just going out and making birdies? Do you think that's something that's special about your game? Do you prefer one way or the other, whether it's kind of, a, you know, plodding around the golf course or do you just like to go out and make birdies? I think like if you had asked me like two years ago, I would have for sure said like, I'm not really the type of player that's going to go and make like a ton of birdies. Um but like obviously like looking at my scores recently that's like different it's yeah. just been, been able to make 
a ton of birdies. And I think mainly like just my putting's gotten a lot better because my ball striking's always been pretty decent and swells my driver, but my putters always like held me back. And so my putt, I've just been able to make a lot more of like the mid range putts, which has been key to like, you know, making tons of birdies and Eagles. Um, but I, I guess now I honestly prefer the birdies, but okay. I'm not used to that. Normally it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm good with like the eight under winning yeah, uh, seven under, but now it's like, I'm, it's cool to see my game kind of evolve and be able to make all the birdies. Yeah. I was going to say as, as, as again, as somebody that looks at the numbers quite a bit, since it's my job, I think you have shown that you are more than capable of putting some numbers up on the board. You, you know what I mean? So I think, uh, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there's gotta be at least some kind of confidence there uh, that even though you may not have saw it as a strength coming in, like you've kind of shown yourself that, that that can be something you can do, right? Do you think you can build confidence from that moving forward? Yeah, I think for sure. I hope that, you know, also like, yeah, I'll be able to gain a lot of confidence. And uh, I've used Decade a lot. I use that a lot and just check my stats. So it's it's also good to see just help with my confidence, seeing my putting just getting better. That's just been the main focus. And yeah, I think it's great to be able to gain confidence off of that kind of stuff. Just seeing improvements is a really good way to gain confidence for sure. So, and, and I know the decade stuff kind of gives you again, from a statistics analytics standpoint, your strengths and weaknesses of your game. Um, so you can kind of use, you know, what you're learning from decade or just in your own eye test or your own opinion of your own game. I, I always, I always say in these that it's, it's hard for, again, somebody that's just refreshing the screen to know what the best players are good at. Right. So in your opinion, what do you think, um, what do you think your strengths are as a player? When you when you when you get off the van, get off the bus, you're like, okay, I know I've got this today. This is what I can kind of hang my hat on. What do you think that is for you? I think um, as of recent, my driving has been extremely well. Um, and I think that's been really helpful. And my ball striking has been good. I, I feel I could still make it better, obviously. Sure. But my driving has been really good. And then um generally like throughout my entire career I've always been able to like kind of just scrappy around the greens just kind of find a way and I've always loved hitting bunker shots so I feel like I'm pretty good out of bunkers as well but I think like my main strengths like right now is my driver is is been like the key and so yeah I think right now my driver can spend the best. Okay. Okay. So let, let's take it all the way back now. We've kind of learned, you know, talked about a little bit your, your start to the season, you know, maybe what some of your strengths are as a player, but of course everybody always has a start, right? How, how did you, how did you get into golf growing up? Did you play other sports? Was golf kind of it from the very beginning? Where, where did you kind of fall in love with golf or get started? Um. Yeah. I mean, we, like I lived in San Francisco when I was like until about three. And so we lived on a uh, Lombard street, the one, the famous which has the zigzag okay you know, yeah yeah lived pretty on that street when i was like three and so my parents i think one day i was just like having like a bad day or whatever so my dad grabbed like a bucket of balls and like gave it to me and i was just like messing around and i seemed interested so then my parents started taking me to this range and they bought me like a snoopy golf club iron and yeah. so i yeah, so I'd be there for like hours just hitting balls. And then when they took me off, I'd be like crying to because I didn't want to leave. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. And then I obviously I play like other sports in middle school, but like never really had as much fun as I did in golf. And I played like my first tournament at Junior Worlds IMG when I was mm -hmm. five. And then I played a lot of junior events in Northern California when I was like eight, nine, 10, and kind of just played a lot over the summer. And that's kind of like once, once I got to like around 12, I was really only playing golf and, um, and then just played junior golf until college. So that's how it kind of got started. Yeah. So I think there's always a, maybe a moment or a period or whatever, where most of us, and I, again, I never got to the level that you are, but where most of us kind of think, all right, I think this is kind of something I want to do. You know, maybe I want to pursue college golf. Maybe I want to pursue pro career or whatever it may be. When did golf kind of become it for you when you were like, I'm kind of good at this. Let me see how far it can go. When, when do you think that was for you? And what was that moment like? Ever since I can remember, I've always wanted to be like, you know, the best in golf. But I think like, I mean, I remember 
I don't really remember this, but my parents would always tell me when I was like eight and I play all these junior events, I asked my dad, I was like, well, like, when am I ever going to win? And then all of a sudden, like when I was like nine and 10, like I started winning a lot. But I think when I like really was like, okay, this is like what I want to do is probably around like 11 and 12, even though that was kind of the only thing I was playing other sports. But like I knew that like golf was really what I want to try and be and play. Um, So I would say right around then. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, I think, again, kind of going in that. So we've talked about, you know, the junior career and then maybe leading into high school. Obviously, you know, we can't talk about your full story. Uh, without talking about kind of, you know, your diagnosis, I think when you were a freshman with rare form of lymphoma, kind of kind of talk me through that as far as, you know, what was your initial reaction with the diagnosis? How, what role has that played in your life, maybe from the first time you kind of knew about it? I was kind of confused. Like when I first I was playing some tournament in Texas and I was like 15 and then I was doing like some stretch and I like felt like a I like couldn't really stretch back in my left armpit and I was kind of, I was like, oh, that's weird. And so like, it kind of progressed like over the next like month or two, uh, I started having like dead skin was like coming off my armpit and I was just kind of like, I don't know what's going on here. And I had to t- start taking Advil when I was playing. Okay. So eventually like I went into the, the hospital to get like, cause we thought it was some sort of cyst or like a zit. And, and so they went in and did surgery and they, and they just found like, it was just an empty hole and they were kind of confused. And so eventually they did a biopsy and they took some cells out and found that it was lymphoma. And so, you know, like my dad and I called me and my mom and he's like, yeah, you know, um, the doctor called and said that you have cancer. And I was, I was just like, Oh wow. Like that was the last thing I was expecting. Um, and, and I, I don't know, like, I don't remember ever like thinking throughout the entire like thing, being in the hospital, I never really thought about the chances of maybe like not surviving through it. I know my parents did, but that kind of surprises me. Like I would have, I think if I had had it again, I would have for sure thought about it. But like in during the time, it just never occurred to me. So then that happened. And then there was like about a month or two period where they were just trying to figure out what type I had just because it was, it was only like 20 kids have ever had what I had. It was like this form where it's very common in adults but it's very rare in kids but luckily like the kids have a better survival rate than adults but finally they found it and then I had to be in the hospital um I'd go in for like about a week and do the treatment and I'd spend overnight for like you know one week and then come back for two weeks and I did that for about seven months and then luckily I was cleared um so that was that was good to, you know, get it done with, but obviously, you know, it's not something I'd want to do over again, but. Yeah. I was going to say seven months sounds like a blip in time when you're, when when you get past it, but like seven months is a long time when you have to go day by day. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, Yeah. What, what, what kind of through that seven month stretch did it look like for you as far as, you know, I don't know, daily routine or, or even like how much, golf were you able to do whether it be some none at all what 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 was the everyday almost like for you it was I didn't like I never really wanted to play golf I was I just like I was always tired and I was just like I just want to stay in my room and like watch tv or video games and but my dad was like just kind of like you need to get outside and get you know do something else because you when you're in the hospital all you do is watch tv and videos so he was like, you should just go outside and play with your friends. So he kind of like helped me get outside. And so I played, I played, I would generally play in the last week. So I'd be in the hospital for a week and then maybe like five days back home, I'd be really tired. And so I would just do nothing. And then for like the rest of the time, I'd be out playing with my friends on the golf course. So that was good to kind of get away from, you know, being inside all day. And I, I never... Um, there was like about a period of time where I couldn't swing the club, um, because my armpit was so painful. And so once like the first time I started treatment, it like immediately like got healed. And so I remember like being able to swing the club for the first time in like two months was pretty awesome. But yeah, I was, you know, I played, I would play, you know, 18 holes, probably like three or four times. 
um, between each cycle. So I think that was pretty good to just kind of get away from the indoors. Absolutely. I, I would think something like that, you know, regardless of whether you're playing or not, probably affects the level that you're playing at, you know? So, so what, what, uh, what, what, what was the process like of trying to regain form or kind of establish what, what the road moving forward was after, you know, you were, you were healthy again and, 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 and trying to, again, pursue your own goals of college golf, professional golf, whatever it may be. Right. Yeah. I think being able to play between was pretty helpful and somewhat maintaining a form. Um, I think going like seven months without touching a club would have been really tough. Yeah. Um, so that like helped a little bit. Um, and then after it wasn't, it wasn't like impossible and it, you know, it was pretty doable. Like I was, I would just go and play. It was kind of just like I was back to normal and I would be, you know, out in the course every day with my friends. And I was actually pretty surprised like how well I was able to play the first tournament. It was some AJJ event and I got like 20th, which was decent for, right. you know, and it seemed to be like a pretty smooth transition. Um, but I think, you know, I think being able to play with my friends every day, and kind of getting back to normal was pretty helpful um, with getting back into the form. And then I think if I hadn't played every, you know, between cycles, it would have been really, it would have been way harder to get back to where I was. So that was also helpful. Yeah. Do, do you think there's anything, um, maybe just an overall theme again, because I feel like anybody that goes through something like that, that can be life-changing, life-altering, um, typically learn something. Do you feel like there's mm -hmm. anything you take from that moment, that seven month stretch, again, the recovery after, you know, you've been cleared to play or whatever. What, what do you felt like you learned from, from that experience or going through that? Yeah, I think just to be like thankful, be thankful to like, you know, be able to play golf still, um, hang out with friends and travel with the team and, you know, just be alive really. Right. I think that's something I'm, I think about every day is just to be thankful. Um, and you know, I'll definitely never be ungrateful ever again. Um, and so I think that's one of the main things and just also just like take life just day by day. Cause that's what I did really well during treatment. You know, I never really got too distracted from like the bigger picture. It was just always like, Oh, like, you know, what am I going to do the next hour? And so I think that's also pretty important, but, um, so yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, let's get back to the golf a little bit. Cause you, you got a whole lot more story to tell. You've been doing again, playing really well. So obviously junior career, very, very successful. Then it's starting to look, we're going to play some college golf. What yeah. went into the decision to go to Long Beach state? Why, why Long Beach state? There was, it was an interesting story. I, I was, I think I was sophomore something, and the coach, because our coach left and the yep. um, right season started, Coach Wilson mm -hmm. uh, now at Colorado State, but he was the head coach, and he sent me an email, and he was like, oh, I want you to come down for a visit, and the first thing I saw, I was like, oh, like Long Beach State, like, I don't really, I don't know about this. I, I was just going to not reply, and then I told my dad, I was like, you think we should you know, do something. And I was expecting him to say no. And he's like, no, we should go check it out. So I was like, okay. So then we go down there and, you know, obviously the weather's like amazing. Um, I mean, I, I rarely check the weather forecast, but um, we go down there and, you know, they have a facility that's like five, less than five minutes from campus. You could almost walk there and it's got everything you need. And then there's a couple of nice courses that we play like Virginia country club, which is where Patrick Cantlay's coach is. Um, and so he teaches a lot of like pros like Luke list. And so he's there and it's a really good facility. And so those were like some of the things. And then obviously I really like coach Wilson, the weather facilities, the coach. And so that was kind of like added up and it was semi close to home. So okay. I was like, wow, this is actually pretty nice. Yeah. And my dad and mom were like, this is, I mean, this is great. Like we should, I think we should definitely consider going here. And so, you know, that's kind of what led me to, you know, officially signing. So yeah. yeah. How, how far is it from home? It's like the drive is about like eight hours. Okay. So it's not like that close, but it's really short. You know, it's like 45 minute plane ride. So that's not too bad at all. California is so big. 
Yeah. That's unbelievable. I was not expecting you to say eight hour drive. That is not the number I was expecting. That's pretty remarkable. Um, I've also, again, tried to do the the best I can to to research a little bit. looks like you're working with George Gankis or have been for for a while. Uh, And and, and that kind of went into the decision. I've heard he's close in proximity, at least a long bit. Yeah. Tell me about that relationship and and how that's going and how that started as well, I guess. So that was like, I think I was around 13. And um, I, and I was struggling with swing stuff and I had seen coaches before um, and my dad was just like, ah, oh, like there's gotta be something else. So he was on YouTube like every night, just doing messing around. And he found George, his YouTube account. He was like, Oh, this looks pretty interesting. So he started testing stuff out and he was like, man, like this is like almost fixed like the back pain I feel when I hit balls. And he was like, we got to try this out. So then I tried it out and I started playing a lot better. And we were like, wow, this is pretty cool. And that's kind of how it started. And then I, I had just gone off YouTube videos for a while. And then we did a couple online lessons just because he was like a couple hours away from me when I lived in Northern California. And so then finally we drove down and got a lesson and we were like, wow, this is like awesome. He's great. He gets exactly what we're trying to do, gives us good drills, easy. And so I've just like, that's kind of how it started. And I've worked with him ever since. So that was probably like six years ago, at okay. least. So yeah, he's been awesome. And I obviously am still working with him. And yeah, he's just the best. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so then, so now, now we're at Long Beach State, freshman year last year. Um, again, I have no clue what your expectations were coming into college or if there was a transition. Um, I think ended the year at 202 in a golf stat ranking, started to trend a little bit in spring, yeah. you know, and then finished with, I think it was a T2 at Big West Championships, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, did, what, what did what did the work or the expectations look like over summer? Because, again, you st- it seemed like you started to see your game kind of show you that, hey, I, I can do this a little bit. Were the expectations or was the work a little bit different over summer to kind of get you where you are now or at least to where you were starting the season going into my freshman year i i didn't know what to i mean i didn't really expect too much i was just to see what happens really but i i knew i wanted to be a you know one of the best freshmen in the country um but i definitely like knew that i needed to have a huge work ethic change and so i think that was what really happened from high school to college, there was a huge change in work ethic and fr- and and it's it was mainly just like if there was any time I would have during the day, I was trying to get to the course and it it started in the fall, and I could see I started playing a little better um and then in the spring, oh, it also really changes just like I'm trying to hit as many balls as I can every day. And then I started seeing results pretty quickly. Like I played really well at Stanford. And that was like the first event where I was like, wow, okay, here we go. Cause I was, I played the first couple of events in the spring and it was just like, you know, nothing's great. And I knew I needed to get it going. And so I, you know, I was just hitting a lot more balls and spending a lot more time. And yeah, I played really good at Stanford and then, the next event I played all right, but I, you know, still saw signs of it. And then I played good again at uh, UC Davis's event. And then obviously Big West, I played good. And so then that was like, okay, I've, you know, I think I've kind of found something. And over the summer, I was, I would say I was working pretty much similar to what I was back at Long Beach. But uh, the only thing was the facilities I didn't have as good of access just because I used to be a member at a course in Reno and and then we decided to stop being a member there just because my parents don't play golf. So there was no reason to be there and it got too expensive as well. Um, and so I was just at this public course and but I would I was there, you know, as much as I could. So I think that also helps. And um, and then I I was playing good and I won a tournament going into the fall and then it kind of just got on the ground rolling until I got a lesson with George before Washington's event, before a qualifier. And I was thinking, oh, this is going to be like a short change. Like, I don't think this is going to be too difficult. And then I was like, qualifying was rough. It was like chunks, like just I hit a couple really good shots. And then all of a sudden it was like really bad shot. 
and I didn't qualify for the first event, and I was pissed, obviously, because we there was seven spots too. So I I didn't even get like top seven. I was like, well, I don't know what's going on. So I was just like on the range trying to figure it out, just working on my swing, and then I started seeing results. But I st- even then, like the f- qualifier for Fresno, like I still like squeaked it in, but it just everything clicked at Fresno, um, and so yeah. It's all again as a college golf fan that does nothing but look at leaderboards, but never gets to hear the stories as much as I would like to, especially from you know everybody in the country. That's an awesome story to hear, just because we, we don't really know what happened. You know, we see a, a kid that's ranked number eleven as as we're going to get to rank number one in fall. Um, didn't make the first event, and sometimes you want to know why. So again, after the Husky, now we're we're, we're going back to back wins, and we golf that releases their first ranking on I think it was. October 11th or 12th or something like that. And you see your name as the number one player in the country. What, uh, what was that moment? Like, what was that feeling like? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, I remember we, like I won the Cal's event and, and, um, I was pretty happy, but the team struggled, but, um, everyone was obviously pretty happy. And so we were on the plane and I think the plane landed. My coach like mentioned something like golf stat rankings were going to come out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, I, I probably got to be like pretty high up there because I won like twice and I didn't even play the first one and my scores were good too. And so I'm thinking like maybe I'm top 30, top 20. And I tell my like, holy crap, number one. And I was, and then like, I said it out loud and then like coach is like, no, you're not, no way. And so, and then my teammates were saying the same thing. And then they checked, they're like, what the heck? Like number one. And so I was like shocked and I was like, but I was obviously pretty happy and I was like, well, this is awesome. And so, yeah, that was just the initial reaction. I was like, this is sweet. That's sick. It's so sick to hear. Um, just cause again, that is, it's just really fun. But then again, moving forward. And I, and I, again, we, we said it all the podcast. Sometimes it does happen where a player has a couple good finishes and is, you know, number one player in the country to start the ranking. Then things start to even out as we say, and it becomes the names, you know, but that has not happened, obviously, you know, maybe not number one in the country right now, but you've been, at worst, a top 30 player. You know what I mean? So, you know, your worst finish, I think, is a T13 at Cal Poly's event. But then we started off spring with two T3s. Um, did did seeing your name at number one maybe change the expectations moving forward? Like, what was your mindset, I guess, moving forward after that? Is it, all right, let's keep, you know, foot on the pedal? Um, was it confirmation? How did how did you view that to, to, to keep moving forward, I guess? Yeah, I think it definitely changed my expectations. Um, I remember like before the season, I talked to my dad and he was like, well, what do you want? Expectation. I was, I think we both agree like a top 50 would be pretty good, like a really good improvement, especially being like 202 last semester season. So we agree like 50 and I was like, that's even going to be like a stretch. I was like, yeah, I mean, that'll be good. And then right away I got number one and I was like, okay, that changes things. Now I'm thinking like it changed where I was like, it definitely added a little more pressure the next event I played in, but I was definitely like, okay, now I feel like if I'm outside the top 30, I'm not going to be happy hmm. because I can, I've seen like how good I am able to play. And so I feel like I should be at like how I'm playing right now. I feel like I should be a top 30, 20 player. And then obviously how I played in the last two events just kind of confirms like what I was feeling. Um, and so I think, you know, as long as I'm keeping up, how I'm practicing, there's no reason why I shouldn't be like right, you know, at the top 20, sure. um, even top 10. So, yeah, well, what's so so then even moving forward again, you, you've validated it at least in two or three tournaments at this point, you know, past that initial ranking. Um, you still got more tournaments on the schedule. You know, there's regionals, there's national championships, there's summer stuff, mm-hmm. all that, whatever. What what is what is the road moving forward? And we can even just cap it at the end of the season, you know, national championship or whatever. What what is where's your mind now as far as, and again, I'm not trying to make you look forward, but right. what does what do you want to do with the rest of your season? I guess is my question. I think I want to see not like for me, I would I obviously want to be able to see like that I'm still being able to play at the level I am right now. And I want to see like some improvements. And I think especially like down the stretch, I've made a couple mistakes. The last two events, just like a untimely bogey, which costed me 
Um, and so I think just kind of maybe not thinking like I have to make some birdies and just staying, you know, patient was really the main thing. Um, and I think that's like kind of costed me. But I think goal-wise, I'd like to make it to the national championship with the team and the individual as well. I think we'll have no problem doing that, make it to regionals this year. Our team's, you know, really good. I'd say we're by far the best in our uh, division or conference. And I, I think I'd like to win at least once or twice more in the spring, but mainly just trying to get better as a player. I think that's one of the things that that is always fun to hear, good to hear that, that that a player like yourself is still present. You know, obviously you've got goals, but like you still got to put in the work, still got to do the process. If I do these things, the stuff that's gotten me here in the first place, those goals are obviously attainable. You know, it, it, it sounds like as long as you do those things, you feel pretty confident that, that you can meet those goals, right? Right. So then you mentioned the, the team success too. You know, I looked it up again, and right now Long Beach State is 58th. We always talk about the bubble number being around 67. You mentioned you all are probably the best team in your conference, which may not, you know, your ranking may not matter if you get an at-large, which means, mm-hmm. or, or sorry, that if you win your conference, then you get the, uh, the automatic bid or whatever. Um, let's talk about your team for a little bit. Uh, what, uh, what's the vibe like around, around your team? Are they, a are they a, a fun bunch, kind of a goofy bunch? Are they a very serious bunch? What's, uh, what's, what's you guys' group like? Yeah, I think we're probably one of like the most joking teams out there. Okay. I'd be surprised if we, if there was another team that would beat us there. Cause obviously we've got four, we're a very young team. We got like four new freshmen and, and then we've got, I think our oldest player, we've got a fifth year, but, you know, like, other than that, we're pretty young, and we like to joke around a lot, which I think is good for a team chemistry, um, and, yeah, the team vibe is good. It's great. Yeah, I've seen, um, I think at least in the, in the at John Burns, there were three freshmen in, lo- in the lineup, obviously you a sophomore, and then one senior as well. Um, do you think, from a youth standpoint, that's got to make you feel pretty good, whether it be this year or or moving forward, you know, like that you've got some youth. One of them, I believe, is is Patrick Cantley's little brother, right? Yes. So so that kind of that infusion of youth, um, does that kind of give you some some hope for the future as far as, hey, maybe we're building something here at Long Beach State? I think definitely. Um, the recruiting done was extremely good for the freshmen that we got. And we have a really good team for the future as well and as well as right now and i mean like every pretty much every week we've had at least two freshmen playing in the top five yeah i mean if you go through like fresno i think we had two in the top five one or two and then um cal's event we had maybe three in the top five and then the other one we've had yeah it's been like two or three every week so which is obviously a good sign of like we are trending in the right direction and i think compared to last year last year our best we were ranked like right right around this time last year we were around like 85 or 80 on the um ranking so we're drastically better i think we're like 57 58 right now so um that's definitely hopeful and i think you know if we keep improving as a team we can make a good run at making a national championship so excited that's awesome that's awesome let's 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 have a little fun before i get you out of here um and let's let's pick on our teammates we'll say some good things about your teammates too though i promise uh so we'll we'll do some superlatives just to kind of again give give fans uh and and followers an idea of who your teammates are what they're good at maybe what they're not good at um but we'll start with some golf specific stuff so on your team and you can pick yourself don't don't be bashful here you're more than welcome to pick yourself uh, who do you think has the best golf swing on your team? The best golf swing? Boy. <laughs> uh, it's it's okay to hurt feelings. It's okay to hurt feelings. I think, I mean, like, if you were just, like, looking at it, not necessarily, like, in general, just, like, you're just an average guy. Sure. You just swing. I feel like maybe they would say, let me think. Maybe they would say, uh... Jack Cantley just because he's got like a little bit of a smooth tempo. Gotcha. So if you were just like some average guy just walking down the street, you're like, oh wow, that looks like kind of 
buttery-ish. Yeah, he's got the most Instagram-ready golf swing. Yeah, I I would say probably like him. We're okay. We're going with we're going with, with Jack Hanley on that one. Uh, yeah. how, how about the longest driver on the team? Who, who hits the long ball? Who, who's who's pumping it out there? One eighty ball speed or whatever it may be. Who's that? Easily Andrew Hoekstra. He's gotten. I think he's got like one over one forty club head speed before. Goodness gracious! Like insane club head speed. He can launch the ball. Do, um, do, you, do you know like what his cruising like his gamer speed is with driver? He's probably like around like high one twenty one thirty. Jeez. Goodness gracious. Yeah. So he's he's up there. That's... And then one of the freshmen on the team is right there, pretty close with him, Jaden Huggins. He's like one. I mean, he gets like 190. He could probably get 195, 200 balls. Ball. He was Goodness. trying, pushing yeah. it hard. Just just out of curiosity, where, where are you at? Because I know you're you're a taller kid, at least, right? Like you're I mean, just from picture stuff, you're pretty pretty yeah. tall, got some limbs on you. What 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 are your numbers in that in that range? Um, it's, it's not like crazy. I like uh, right now, I think I'm probably cruising at like 170 ish once. And, um, so I definitely can improve there, but it, you know, like, I feel like I do a pretty good job of like optimizing it. So I get like a lot of distance out of it, but, um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Got some speed demons at, at, at long, at long beach state. Who uh yeah. all right, who's who's got the hands, who's got the best short game, who's you know, short sided in the rough, who's who's playing the one hop and stop? Who's got the short game? When we're doing a chipping game, I give it to uh Sebastian Vallejo. He like his grooves on his wedge are borderline illegal, I'll say that. <laughs> He's got like this groove sharpener and he will like just be digging like holes in his wedges and he hits like some of the most ridiculous shots where it's like he takes like a full swing and it's teed up on like the Kuya and just like rips one back from like 30 feet. And you're like, what in the world would just happen? <laughs> and, but like turn him in the tournament wise, I'd say like Isaac Rodea. Okay. He is uh really good. He can like hit the nipper and short sided. He's really good. Um, so I would say him. Okay. Okay. All right. A couple more fun things here. Who, um, when when they show up to the to to the plane ride or to, to or to the bus, who is the absolutely worst dressed teammate you have? Who just has no style whatsoever, doesn't match, doesn't co- color coordinate? Who who are you not taking fashion advice from? Um, I mean, I think like he's got a good nickname, Kid Ivan Barahona. He's a freshman on our team. We call him Homosa. <laughs> started with like his last name's Barahona, so I just like randomly said like a Homosa. And and then slowly it's become like sometimes he does look a little homeless. Uh, and so that's pretty fun to um, joke around with that. So I, I mean, I think I'd have to say him. OK, OK, that's funny. You got again, you guys are in the team van. Uh, who are you absolutely under no circumstances handing the aux cord? Who, who, who are you not letting control the playlist? Hmm. <laughs> Let's think here. I would say, I wouldn't say anyone's like horrible, but like, I think I, I'd probably say, mm, maybe, I'd, maybe I'd say, oh, I don't know. It's a tough one. That's a tough one. Don't want to throw anybody under the bus here. Or, or at least maybe nobody's got really bad music taste on the team. That's a compliment. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think like some of them's average, but <laughs> anyone's got horrible music taste okay that's funny that's funny that's awesome well hey we we, we can wrap it up right there we, we've gone for enough time and again i want to be respectful of your time ian i, I do want to say i'm a fan uh it's been one of the more fun things that i've been able to track in college golf not only this year but i think the seven years that i've been at golf stat now um so every, every tournament you're in i'm making sure i've got it open in a tab so i can watch to see how you're doing I'm just as excited as you are every Tuesday night to see where you're at in the rankings. Um, this is what makes college golf fun. Again, we we hear plenty of names. Um, no disrespect at all, but probably again, probably not one of the names we were necessarily expecting, but that's what makes it great. You go shoot scores, your name's going to show up, right? So this has been really fun. Um, I'll say nothing, uh, wishing you nothing the best uh, moving forward. And again, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on.
Make it memorable, gentlemen. All right, I've got Carolyn Kupchik with me this week. Let's do, let's end with uh, just a little preview. So we're back on the road, or I'm back on the road this week, going to Hilton Head, South Carolina for the Darius Rucker Intercollegiate, hosted by number four, South Carolina women's golf. It's a great event. Um, it's, a, it's an event we've always, we've been to quite a bit. Uh, my first year going was last year, which was also the first year that it was um, televised by the Golf Channel. Uh, which was the first all women's or women's only event. I hate to say women's only like it's exclusive, but typically, I won't say typically, but a lot of the events that um, Golf Channel does have been like the Southwestern, like the Western Intercollegiate that are men's teams. And the, uh, the only ones that women's teams have been a part of have been like Jackson T. Stevens Cup, the Blessings where it's men's and women's teams. So this is the only um, all women's field tournament. And it's an awesome event. Darius was there for most of the most of the week. He popped in and out. I think he even like delayed his his tour bus to get to a different city so he could watch the final round and and present the trophy at the end and so on and so forth. He puts on a concert. I think they do it like at the uh, at the end of the practice round, like that night before the first round. But they do a really good job on the golf side. A lot of really good teams in the field. So this is another one of those where everybody's there except Stanford, uh, but everybody's there. So it will be kind of a who's who. Or what are we watching? So let me let me read some of the names in the field. Uh, we got Alabama, Arizona State, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, Duke, Furman, Georgia, Kentucky, LSU just coming off a win. Northwestern, we've talked about being hot. Oregon is uh, just coming off a win at Therese Hessian as well. South Carolina, number four, the host. Texas, Vanderbilt, Virginia, Wake Forest, defending champion, and obviously number two team in the country. And then Howard has a couple individuals playing as well. Okay, so 17 teams, which is a pretty big field. And a lot of those names we've talked about quite a bit. Um, may, and again, we can talk about kind of maybe the top teams. Um, I know where I'm looking, but w- are there any teams you've specifically got your eye on other than your Ducks? But you can mention the Ducks if you want. Um, what, what, are you, what, what are you saying? You know, what, what's your thing to watch at the Darius this week? Obviously the Ducks. No, <laughs> um, I think, but I mean, truly it would be Wake, Oregon, LSU and Auburn, I think, are probably the ones. Okay. Did you say Mississippi State was also going to nope, be there? Nope, nope, no, no Mississippi okay. State. So, yeah, I think those are the teams that I'll be okay. why more intrigued Aub- about. Not why Auburn are you throwing in there? Because weren't they number one at one point? I don't know if they were. They definitely weren't this year. But, again, I'm trying to get all my – and this is why I'm going to the Women's Championship this year because it's I haven't been since uh, Stillwater back in 2018. So I just don't remember them as well. Yeah. Thought they won a national championship. No, maybe I'm thinking Ole Miss. Anyways, right. but yeah, but yeah, there's so many teams. It's hard to keep no, track of sometimes. And they all got the same colors, <laughs> right? That's why I get confused. <laughs> <But> anyway, <laughs> that's why I always get really confused. Do. Oh man! Um, but anyways, uh, I, but know, yeah. I, I feel like sometimes Auburn they can like, they can put up a good fight, and so it would yeah. just be interesting to see how they do. Okay. Um, and then you said your then, other ones were Oregon and who else? And Wake. Um, Right. Yeah. Wake's there. Yes. Oh, and then South Carolina. Cause you know, who knows if they're going to yeah. move from there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So those what five teams I'd like yeah. to okay. focus on. Those are those oh, are, and LSU. Yeah. South, South Carolina is my one. Just, I'm just so frustrated. Right. I'm just so frustrated. <laughs> I'm telling you, they made a phone call and they're oh, just no. like, yeah, this is, people are going to think that like they paid for that spot. I'm telling you, cause it looks like it. <laughs> so, but no, in, in, in all seriousness, I got to see something, man. Like, it's to me, it's like now or never. Like, I got to see something. Hey, right? they went from fifth to fourth. That's what I'm, but I don't know why. <laughs> like, if you were, if, if I were to try to, and I, I'm sure I could comb through all, all the numbers and stuff and figure yeah. out why. Again, they're obviously a, a really talented team. I think if you look at the rankings as well, um, you know, they still have an outstanding individual and Hannah Darling, who's number, team, number two in the country. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they've, they've got a star as well. So, again, we're not talking about the talent. But, again, when you look at the tournament finishes, it just doesn't add up to me as the number four team in the country just when you look at it on its face. Again, a, lo- a lot of really good scheduling going going on, too, where they've played in a lot of really top events. So they're not losing to bad teams either. But at some point, again, to me, you got to win, right? We talked about it with Arizona State as well. We've seen their ranking, on the men's side at least, and we've seen their yeah. ranking drop slightly, right? Still a top whatever team. But I, I got to see something from South Carolina. I really do. Like if because I, I want them to be in the Oregon, San Jose State, uh, LSU category as far as. All right. We've put some numbers on the board. We've thrown get a few wins win. up. Yeah. And and like really get us talking about South Carolina women's golf 
not only because we think they're talented this year, but because there were so much, so, so many expectations the last two years as well, right? This isn't just a team that coming into the season, we've said, um, oh, wow, the roster's good. Hope they play well. It's like, no, you were good two years in a row before this, and we didn't see it either. So again, it's not, it's not just this year. It's like at some point, three years now, you got to show me something. So, um, and again, they've been off to a slower start, even to, even compared to the last two years, but it's their home event. Um, I, and it doesn't mean they win. It'd be awesome if they did, but I, I, I want to see them contend for a title. I want it like it, whether it's Wake Forest or not, I don't care if it's Wake Forest, but like whoever it is, I want to see them legitimately have a chance to win the tournament down the stretch is what I'm really right. looking for. Have a good fight. Exactly. Other than that, I'm, I think LSU is another one. Cause you talked about, let me see a little bit more. It'd be really interesting if they got, um, if they went back to back. And then I think kind of in my, in, in my who's hot kind of category, Kentucky, Baylor, Northwestern. Those would be the other three teams. Baylor did have a good, and I think they're, they're up hot. to like eight now something like that like they've moved up quite a bit they're they're ninth ninth okay yeah they moved up to ninth um which big jump from where they started in the in the beginning of spring i think because i think they were they were 18th at one point maybe a little bit outside of that before to start the spring so a big jump for them um it would be very interesting to see if if they stay hot and keep going um not their first year at this event either so yeah i got my eyes on south carolina baylor and uh sorry kentucky and northwestern would kind of be the teams i'm watching so so yeah, we we can go ahead and wrap it up there. I don't again, I don't want to take too long, but hey, uh, it's been this week's edition of the Golf Dad Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the interview with with Ian. Um, at the very least, you don't have to enjoy what me and Carolyn talked about, but we felt like talking, so we did. Uh, if you've been listening for this long, you might as well go ahead and hit that follow subscribe button. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter. I should be posting things from Instagram this week. So if you don't like what's on Instagram, probably my fault. Um, until next week, peace. <laughs>